Here we are with Justice Radio Network once again. Today it's November. Welcome all to Justice Radio Network and today we have a great uh, conversation again with uh, Ken Cousins. So I'm really glad to have him here with us again. Welcome Libby, glad to have you here too. Thank you sister and yes welcome Ken. Very happy to have you here with us and hey Rachel. So we're in the green territory. <laughs> <laughs> that looks nice. I'm here with Reiki Ump too. So that's really cool to be here in this wonderful environment. And uh, yeah. It's, uh, Lucky you two, you're looking at land. How sweet is that? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Having lots of fun traveling around. We went to a beautiful area today called Maggie Valley in North Carolina. And that was very, very lovely. Mm. So, um, yeah, we've been having just quite some adventures, just enjoying being, you know, together, together, yeah, and uh, looking at land, being in nature, tramping around the countryside. It's been beautiful weather for it. It has. We've been really enjoying it, and we've got lots of beautiful visions as to what we're going to be creating in the future. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 very wonderful, and I'm really um, so grateful to Ken for the guidance he's been able to give me in certain directions. Um, we're going to get a few questions going, I know, with a few people today, but um, I'm definitely going to see if he could share with us some of the, uh, the, the estate structure that he does within Gemstone University, because that is a valuable tool for us to create things we need to create. Especially um, with what you're doing. I mean, this yeah. is so exciting, Ken. We're so happy you're coming because we have lots to find out from you. And yeah. That's right. Lots of um, ways of doing things whereby we would have to be sort of very much in the system to do what we need to do. But this way, with the private societies and the structure that he's been able to put together and guide us through, uh, it enables me to be able to create uh, this, uh, ultimately, uh, this heart song spiritual society community without having to go the means that others would have to go within the system and all the names and this and that and the other. Um, trusts are going to be, you know, only thing. It's a case of 
um, and control everything and that's one of the things Ken's been teaching us so I know that he's going to come on board with that sort of information he's already you know been sharing it here there and there but um, it's something we haven't talked about on just us much I don't think so that, that's I'd like um, him to share with us when he's uh, you know he's ready and uh, then of course we're going to ask everybody um, oh yeah he's ready yeah, um, we'll ask everybody who has got a question, maybe um, those of you that are here on Zoom, keep your cameras closed until such time you are questioning. Um, put a message in the uh, chat to let us know you want to ask a question, and then we'll make sure we filter you into the conversation. And then if you want to open your camera up, then that's, that's a good time to do that. Anyone that's on a phone, um, I guess you'll have to open your mic and your, your number will come up on the screen and we'll know you're wanting to, to say something. We'll, we'll uh, ask you on then when we know that's, that's happening. So, uh, yeah, so Ken, thanks so much for being here with us again. We're really, really always grateful to have you uh, join us. He's muted. Should be able to mute himself. Here we go. Unmute. My, my cursor is like a nightmare. Okay. Yeah, can you unmute yourself, uh, Ken, because uh, Jolly's working with I've done it, I've done it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a very uncontrollable cursor. When I have Zoom on the computer, like my, my cursor's like, woo, So <laughs> I've got, yeah, I'm very slow in the commands here. But anyway, welcome. Thank you. Well, you should probably stop cursing your cursor and then... <laughs> I'm going to have to stop cursing it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> so yeah, um, have you got anything to share with us? Or nope, that's really it. So thanks for having me, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> All right, that takes us a bit of time. It's it's really been nice, and I appreciate everything. And <laughs> nice to see you all. Like to see the butterflies next to Libby, and, and who's who's that fellow next to you, Jolly? Raykiel. Hi, Kim. Greetings. Raykiel. What's his name? Reikion. Reikion. Very nice. Muy bien. Nice to meet you. So I've been hanging out at Reikion's place, our family, and uh, he's been going with me along with uh, Mela and the two kids. We've been looking around lots of beautiful areas here on this uh, place known as North Carolina. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they're going to join me in uh, the Heart Song Spiritual Society. We're going to create a beautiful community. And uh, they and a few other beautiful beings are going to join me and we're going to, you know, start to do, you know, walk the talk, really. So that's fun. Good time. Okay, well, very good. Well, what would you like to start with? Well, the one thing I was talking about just now was um, I'm very much acknowledging appreciation for your having put together this estate structure. And we mm -hmm. haven't kind of really run through that much on the times you've been here with us on Just Us Radio. So That's I think maybe it would be a really good time for you to uh, explain what it is, what it does, because I'm acknowledging how helpful it's going to be for me for doing what I've just talked about, you know, putting together yeah. community. I can use it for all sorts of things like connecting with utilities and phones and internets and stuff like that. I can yeah. trust the, the... Very, very good place to start. Okay. Let's start there. Yeah, okay. that's brilliant. So, yeah, if you could explain the, 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 the purpose of it and what we can use it for as living beings. Okay, great. 
Well, I'm going to um, refer back to our last conversation. Okay. Uh, in the latter part of the conversation, I forget his name, but there was a man who came down who, who was very educated in uh, lots of things pertaining to trust and related um, topics. He referred to a book uh, from 1837 by Llewellyn, I believe was the author. Yeah. Um, and one of the points that he brought up was, well, aren't all the things that you're doing, trusts and things like that, really the old, you know, coming out of the old system? And then acquiescing, for lack of a better term, but that's a pretty appropriate term, um, <clears throat> to basically how they, quote unquote, <laughs> whoever they are, have created a world system. And my response was that it's very important to not resist or react or polarize to, quote unquote, they or the world system or whatever. And that my work has been focused for decades, really on breaking down the code, decoding the code of the matrix, figuring out all of these things and understanding how to reapply all of it for our best security, privacy, immunities and protections using all the building blocks, understanding not necessarily all of them, but those that are pertinent and, and valuable to us, understanding that, um, that it's not a matter of the building blocks themselves. It's a matter of how they're constructed and how they're rearranged so that they, they, um, that we're at the effect of it. They're the cause of it. They're the causal directorship of the world system. And the effect that we live within is basically bonded debt enslavement. And, uh, unless and until we, one, understand how that's put together. And then secondly, use our intelligence to rearrange it. So we're using our knowledge and integration of that knowledge to rearrange the building blocks so that we are the cause of our own reality. We create, we direct, and we use it to our best benefit. And by doing that, uh, we cannot be construed as being um, uh, anarchists, even though Jeff Burke might have something to say about that. <laughs> uh, although when he asked me if I was an anarchist, I said in the absolute sense that anarchy simply means lack of power or no one with power as in a hierarchical structure. But I used it just, just a moment ago in the context of anarchy in terms of trying to bring down government, anti-government, anti-system, all of that. Because whether we're talking about in a literal practical sense, in the legal, commercial, and monetary sense, anytime we polarize with something, we're still attached to it. We create a controversy that puts us in the field of battle. And basically, that's where we are controlled. So as we've talked about already in our sessions, that removing oneself from the field of battle and going to peace and standing as peace, which means not in polarity, not in controversy, then then there is no hooks in us. So by following the law and using it to our optimum application and benefit, we can't be construed. Look at how things are construed in the public, conspiracy theorists and sovereign citizens and all of that. And we're taking this, the, the hook out of all of that. So, and the other thing that I said to to that man in that discussion is we are in a transition. I agree with him. Ultimately, I want to see us end up, and I know we will end up at some point where we can 
jettison all of this stuff, all of this entanglement, all of this complexity, um, and and just be simple people on the land, planting our seeds and 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 doing what we want to do uh, in life. But we're not there yet. Okay, we have a long way to go. We have to use the system as it is. The only way out is in. Anything else is creating controversy and polarity and all of that. So that's my prefatory remarks relative to where we're now going to go. So within that context, in understanding the world system, uh, understanding trust law and estate law, estate structure, uh, where it fits within the multidimensional construction of law as a totality. Many people, most people don't understand there are many types of law, which means also a type of jurisdiction. Um, you know, there's admiralty and maritime, which controls um, obviously the law of the sea, but also bankruptcy and civil procedure, things like that, which is a system that we are basically bonded and attached to and controlled within and um, put into perpetual debt bondage. And there is kingdom law, ecclesiastical law, canon law, commercial law, uh, natural law, common law. There are many types of laws. One of those is called equity. And this is essential to understanding how estate law and trust law works because they are within the context of equity. The main reason they're in equity is that all things, all entities that are created, including actually a natural man or a natural woman uh, who holds some sort of value within their control, whether it's a corporation or a trust or an estate or a living man. Um, There's one thing that's universal that we all have in common, which is that there has to be a continuum or a line of succession of who receives that value either when when I die and I leave the will and I have beneficiaries of that will, or when property is held in a corporate form or in a private form. Trusts are private forms. Estates are private forms. Uh, essentially, that's called an, a beneficial owner. Anywhere you go on this planet, if you go to any jurisdiction and you open a bank account, they will ask you a primary question. Who is the beneficial owner of this account? So unless you want to live in a cave and not operate in the world, which means you will be completely ineffectual, you will have no ability to affect real transformation or change in the world, uh, unless that's your choice, then you're going to interact with the system. If you're going to move what's currently called money um, you know, notwithstanding the whole cryptocurrency and all of that. But if you're going to move money through the system, uh, like Jolly, I know you're moving money through the system now, bringing in uh, some funds from an inheritance, okay? You are the beneficiary of that estate, correct? Okay, so I know you're on mute and just shake your head and, and wave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so... Uh, your family member who left that to you established a will, created a trust, um, and essentially a will creates an estate and, and, and in effect, a trust. Um, and it has a beneficiary. If we create a 
corporation and we go to a bank and they say, who's the beneficial owner? We put the corporate documents there and say, this is the beneficial owner. Um, but uh, if we put the corporation uh, in the bank account, they want to know who, you know, how is that set up? Where is it set up? Where is the jurisdiction and where is the beneficiary for that? A normal corporation would say, well, we have shareholders, but we're registered or domiciled in Delaware or Panama or something like that. So that's the, the gist of it is who is the beneficial owner. Secondly, a trust has a split title. There are two types of title in the trust, a legal title, which is held by the trustee and a beneficial title or beneficiary uh, or equitable title that's held by the beneficiary. That's how a trust works. And um, an estate is similar in that it's what would be called a testamentary trust where the property belonging to the trust, the trust must be settled and liquidated. The types of estates most people are used to being aware of is like in your case, when, when your family member passed away, she left a testamentary trust and you were the beneficiary. Once the assets of the trust are disposed, the trust dissolves. It goes away. You now have title or your and that trust disappears. Contrary for hundreds and thousands of years to the benefit of the elite and the landholders and those who have controlled the massive amount, the majority of the wealth in this world, is they created perpetual estates. And with that, the estate would always hold the assets. It would be the owner of the assets. But there would always be a living beneficiary someone who um, who was alive, who was a beneficiary, who could occupy that estate. And when that living beneficiary died, it would move to the next living beneficiary in a line of succession. So we use that within the status correction course because we change our status for, from a bonded surety to a living man or a living woman, and we claim our estate. And as such, we become what's called the SESTA-KV, which translates to living beneficiary. So we do that within the status correction course, and we've talked about that before, and we can cover it some more later in this call. Um, but there are people who are not ready to do um, status correction. Okay, It's a big undertaking. And um, so what we've created inside Pantera is to reproduce the model of how we created Pantera as a private society. And the society comes together. It can be two or more people. So it only requires two people come together, create a society. And out of that coming together in the creation of the society, an office is created. That office is called a corporation soul. Okay. S-O-L-E. And the office itself is the holder of the assets that accrue to the benefit of the society. So the office is perpetual. That's the way the system has been created. That's how the, the popes and the presidents and the kings and queens and the landed gentry and the aristocracy have been operating so that there would not be a breakdown of the estates 
that were held by the landed um, landed po uh, part of the population. Gentry, Gentry yeah. Um, and so if you haven't or don't want to or have not as yet done says correction where you're the living beneficiary as a living being, then you can still take all the assets and all the contracts out of your individual name, which is your franchise, as you were just saying. You can remove all of the uh, – uh, you can take your cars and any other kind of transportation, boats, planes, trains, aircraft carrier, whatever you got in the backyard, and um, uh, and put the title in a type of trust and make the corporation sole the beneficiary. So this way you have no uh, nothing in your name in that respect. You can do the same with, um, with utilities, as you mentioned, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we call it the estate structure because it's an estate holding property for a beneficiary who's a beneficial owner. Well, in the case of a society, the members are the beneficial owner. The, the being who occupies and holds the office of the corporation's soul has the directorship and the control of those assets, can direct how they're managed, what's done with them, but he or she does not own them. Therefore, there is no attachment to, um, to someone who is still attached to a franchise as the surety. Uh, so it's a separation. Uh, it's a good form for asset protection. Because one of the things we do is we put all the different assets in different holding entities, trusts or otherwise, so that, I mean, that's just a standard for asset protection, you know, going back a long time. You know, if you put all of your assets in one name, whether it's your individual franchise name or a corporation or a corporation soul, uh, which still can be sued, if you have lots of cars and land and houses and many, many things in there, and somebody wants to sue, they can go after everything owned by that entity. And if they win, uh, they can take it if they get a judgment. Okay. So simple asset protection, separate liability, put every car in a different holding trust, in a different um, what we call carriage trust, put the land in a different holding trust, put that title on record at the county of it being in that trust. And so, uh, but if you see it as a, um, a, say, a bicycle wheel with a hub in the center and many spokes radiating out from the hub, and at the end of each spoke is one of the holding entities for your assets. Um, you know, if you were in a commercial business with a retail store, you might have an LLC, uh, so you have a corporate entity that gets a business license. Okay, so it's not attached to the private entity, which is the corporation soul or the society, or if you've done status correction yourself. Some people have a uh, a reason to be in commerce. And so, um, like if they have a retail store, they're going to have to sign a lease. They're going to have to get a business license, all that kind of stuff. There's no problem with that. So fine, get a corporate entity, an LLC to do that. Each one of those has some sort of ownership and beneficial owner, and that comes down to the the center of the hub of the wheel, which is the office that holds all the assets, 
that belong to the uh, to the uh, society. And the office holder, also called an overseer, controls and directs that office and the assets for the beneficiary or the benefit of the society and its beneficiaries, which it's which are its members. So it's a perfect form for many types of applications. Um, uh, people who are uh, in the healing arts and they're being hounded by the public for licenses or things like that. You can move everything into a private society as we did for Pantera 15 years ago. And as long as it's done right and you don't have a, a a hidden attachment to the public where they still have jurisdiction, then you can operate it totally privately. And then it's simply the right of private contract, the right of private association. And so Pantera is called a private contract association. You create your articles of association and you do everything according to essentially a private form of governance. And the society can have its own. It is a government. It governs a certain population. It has its own jurisdiction. That is the members who voluntarily choose to be part of that. So if you're buying land as you are and creating a society, this is the best way to do that. Um, it keeps everything very uh, straightforward and clear. Your articles of association establish the guidelines of our self-governance, uh, the way we want to live and, and work together, things like that. How to settle um, disputes, because that's going to happen. How do you do that? Well, you have your own law form. Any rule that you create in your society is your law form. You can adopt anything anywhere in the world as part of your law form without jurisdictional attachment. So if you like the way Panama does a certain thing within its statutory code, um, you know, whatever that may be, how it manages, you know, rules dealing with agriculture or livestock or something like that. You can adopt that as part of your life, uh, your law form without being attached to their jurisdiction. So you build your law form and you create a forum for adjudication. What does that mean? It means a court. Now, is that a statutory court that's dealing with commerce and settling everything in the public? No, it's our private society law form and form for uh, dispute resolution, things like that. You can be your own bank. You can have your own treasury. You can hold the assets however you want. Many, many things like that you can do within this, this form. So, uh, yeah, I can, that's really, yeah, a good, uh, outline of what can be done there within that state structure uh so it's really a case of us um doing like i've made the first few steps and i've created the uh society and actually as we speak libby is holding the documents to sign the scribe and mm -hmm. so we're kind of making progress in that direction uh so um yeah so what um would people do then to get started with this, I mean, I know because I had to do the, the mission statement, all of that. Would you like to describe what the steps are to kind of make a sure. start? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the first step is you become a member of Pantera. 
Um, and that's very simple to do. You go to gemstoneuniversity.org and you go up to the upper left and it says, join now. You follow the steps, you become a member. Then you contract with Pantera <clears throat> uh, to enter into the estate structure course and do the steps that you've, you're doing. We create the documents, they're templates, uh, generic templates, but you uh, add your own individual components. Your, the name of your society, who is overseer, who is scribe, um, and you write a mission statement. The mission statement is um, uh, basically, you know, everything is uh, synergistic. It's a whole picture. So you have a society that creates an office that is perpetual, that will always own the assets. You have an overseer in the, uh, who occupies the office, if and when the overseer dies or becomes incapacitated, that line of succession is perpetual. The office is always there. It will always hold those assets. They don't belong to the overseer. Therefore, if the overseer has a tax issue or any other issue, uh, neither a, a government or a tax authority or a private individual, say, suing the overseer for something personal, can go over the th go after the things that belong to the office because he or she does not own them, okay? So now the society is perpetual. It will build and accrue the assets. Um, and what binds the overseer is the mission statement, okay? In a sense, it binds because it is it's what we say is what we are applying the assets to fulfill for the benefit of the society. We have to establish what it exists for. So we create a mission statement. Um, but that's an organic document. It builds and grows and modifies. It's not fixed and rigid and all of that. So we have all that in place. We have the permanent court of the Ecclesia of Pantera Diora as a permanent court of record where all the records are held and, um, you know, um, and stored basically. You also have original copies of that. We just store and, and archive electronic copies. And so basically, and then the course, so to speak, the education is learning as you go, working with either me, other members, uh, some of the team. As you know, we have chats that help uh, that are interactive. And um, so it's decentralized. Um, now, the only issue, of course, is that you have to sign everything over to me first and you give it all to me because because i own everything okay just want to make that clear okay um of course that's a joke but believe me a lot of people think that we've had quite a number of people over the years uh say well you know you're just creating this you know dictatorship you're the overseer of pantera you control everything and you know therefore you own it and you're going to take it from me and so forth well uh you know first of all that's not true second of all um we have our law form okay there is a um uh the rules in the term in the sense of a law form of how we um govern ourselves this is what it's really all about, self-governance, self-determination. Um, what protects us is that all of the corporate nations in the world that belong to this daddy corporation called the United Nations 
have issued a statement that they've all bound themselves for. They've issued many statements. We use them to our benefit. One of those is a covenant of uh, international covenant of human rights, um, which included in that is, is the paramount right of self-determination. Um, we have in this country the right or freedom of religion. Right or freedom of... You're still there? I just got my voice coming back to me. Okay. That was somebody that came in with their mic open. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, you know, these are the things that, that we use to our advantage. Um, and um, so there's a, you know, the foundation of it is is both our right to self-determination, our right to self-governance, which is sort of the flip side of the same coin. Um, so we create our rules of governance in Pantera and based on, on my education and my research, I have integrated all forms that, and as I said, like if we want to adopt something from Panama or, or Mexico or whatever, we can do that. So I've gone into all the primary law forms, the ecclesiastical law form, the kingdom law, the uh, commercial law equity and things like that. And we've integrated into essentially the law form of our um, court of the Ecclesia. Ecclesia means the body, the physical body of who we are. Um, And as opposed to a fictional body as in a corporation. And in that law form, common law, which very few people actually really understand. Um, And I'm, Definitely don't say I'm a, a absolute expert at it, but I've looked at it quite extensively and understand the fundamentals of how it's put together. One of the keys of that is how what's called a court of record is established. And <clears throat> in a corp- court of record, proceeding pursuant to the common law, uh, it's also a synergy. One piece doesn't exist by itself. It has a corresponding or a co-relationship with all the pieces. Okay, the same as what we're talking about within a state structure and a society, it's the same thing. If you pull one piece out and say, well, look at this piece, it, it, you know, it's going to lead me to such and such. Like the example that I made a joke of, like, well, Ken's the overseer, he controls Pantera. If I come into Pantera, he owns me or owns everything. That's taking one piece out of context. You can't do that. If you want to take a living man and pull his heart out and say, well, look at this heart. It doesn't really keep him alive. Well, that's because you pulled it out of his body and now he's dead. Okay. It's the same thing. A whole human body is interdependent. The heart is a whole system. It operates on heart principles. And, but, and so it is, it is separate from the lungs and the liver and all the rest of it, but it is interdependent. The body doesn't, High, you know, judge hierarchically, you know, doesn't say the liver is the most important thing, blah, blah, blah. Well, if the liver didn't have the heart, then it wouldn't do its job. Same thing. So when you look at the beauty of, of how common law was created and what a court of record is, it's the same kind of thing. And this is what I've integrated and not just me, many of our team in, in Pantera how to integrate and create the whole is greater than the sum of the parts to create a, a governing 
form and a law form that is the best of everything that humanity has developed over thousands of years. So the court of record is a perfect example. A court of record recognizes that the moving party or what you would know as a plaintiff uh, is actually the sovereign. He or she is recognized as the sovereign, which means he has no, I'll just use the he form, has nobody above him, no higher authority. Um, and uh, as in a um, corporation or a municipality or a board of supervisors or a national government or the United Nations, there is no authority over a true sovereign. And if there is something uh, and in order to be in law, in common law, you must be sovereign. In order to be sovereign, you must be solvent. If you are bankrupt or you are um, underwater in debt, then you are in an impaired status, which is why we are all, quote-unquote, not sovereigns in, in this public civil debt, um, debt system. That's why we do status correction, to sever the bonded surety relationship to the bankrupt franchise so that we are solvent. When you're solvent, you have standing to state a claim, which is phonetically equal to staking a claim. So when you stake a claim, you stake four corners and you have the land that's within the meets and bounds, the meters and boundaries of that land. You have standing. And with that, you have you have the substantive right to a true common law form. Therefore, if there's an issue that, that you, you want a, a governor, not a governing, an adjudicating body to settle, something that's in controversy, you must bring your court to a venue that is appropriate. And the word venue in law is defined as the, um, the county from which the jury is derived. So here's where common law comes in. So a county has a defined parameter in terms of meets and bounds. Okay, so we're in the county of San Bernardino, which for most people is a corporation. It doesn't exist except in the fictional area of the mind. But if you've moved on to the land, then it exists in law, and it has a defined meets and bounds on the land. Okay, so... If that was my jurisdiction, uh, the jury of my peers would be derived from that county. But my peers would be anybody who has the same standing or status that I do. Okay. So since it's so complexified and overlaid with all the stuff of the corporate form and everything that we know about, we have a private jurisdiction. And the word jurisdiction is defined as where you place yourself by oath and bond, okay? Because juris, which means law in Latin, also means oath. So who we take an oath to, um, not in a religious form, not in a um, feudal form, because Because a feudal oath is an oath of fealty, which means I have a Lord above me and I'm his vassal. And I may serfs because I'm their liege lord or their landlord. That's a hierarchical structure. So in Pantera, it's non-hierarchical. We all have equal standing. That, That is 
the county or the jurisdiction that simply by agreeing that we're members and we're going to comport ourselves according to the, the law form of the society, that we are peers together. We are a living, a court of living men and women withstanding in our own private society. And so when I bring a court to that venue in order to create the synergy and balance it out, there must be all the component parts. Well, if I have a claim against somebody, let's say, um, Jolly, you ran over my cat <laughs> and I have a claim and, uh, and I want to bring it to a court, then I bring my court to the venue and establish a court of record. A court of record is simply where the evidence is lodged as a permanent court of record so that the evidence can be reviewed by a jury of one's peers. The defendant, and additionally, the sovereign makes the law. So when I bring my court of record, I can establish the law of the case. And as the person I learned this from, who's a, uh, a true master in common law, a man named Bill Thornton, who lives in Southern California, not far from here. And for anybody interested in his work, go to the numbers 1215.org, uh, which is the year of the Magna Carta. And um, uh, you can learn a lot about everything I'm talking about. And so his favorite analogy is, well, if I bring the, the, um, my quarter record and say that um, Jolly ran over my cat and she was wearing pink shoes and the law of the case is that pink shoes are subject to the death penalty. Anybody who runs over a cat wearing pink shoes is subject to the death penalty. Okay. So, but I totally authorize or, you know, I'm sovereign. I can make the law. So I create that law, but Jolly, as the defendant, can answer to it and derive a court, I mean, a jury of her peers. And the jury uh, judges the law and the facts. And if they see the law is unjust, then they can nullify the law. Okay? So... If they look at my law, the law of the case, and they say that that's ridiculous, only blue shoes should be the death penalty. Pink shoes should not be the death penalty. Well, okay, the evidence shows she was wearing pink shoes, so that's it. She gets off free. Um, and so the jury is, is, that's why it's called a trial by jury, because the jury is trying the case. And they can nullify the law, and they will have the authority to, um, you know, to judge the facts and, and so forth. So in Pantera, in our law form, every dispute within uh, our private society uh, must be or can be, we won't say must be, can be settled in a court of record. And therefore, we are self-regulating, self-governing, and all the rest of that. And anything external to our jurisdiction has no authority. They cannot come in and say, we don't like how you're doing this. We don't like your law, your form of governance, or anything. And so the synergy of the fact that I'm the sovereign, I can create 
bring the court of record. I bring the evidence that I have. The defendant brings his or her evidence and the jury judges on, on uh, those points. And the judge, say there's a justice or a judge on the case, he or she is not, does not decide the case. They're only the referee. They're only managing the flow of the case and making sure that it's done properly. So within the larger context, Ken is overseer of the, uh, of the corporation soul called Pantera de Oro, which holds the assets for the benefit of the society, cannot act like a dictator. Um, and if he does, he can be bring, brought before the court of the ecclesia. And I would be judged according to everything I've just described. And um, so the same uh, applies for creating trusts and having the board of trustees of Pantera be the trustee. Same thing. I've gotten that question numerous times. Well, if you're the board of trustees, that means, you know, you own everything. No, we don't. We hold legal titles so that you cannot be attached if you have a tax issue or a liability or anything else. It's the same thing. This is done for our mutual benefit, our protections and immunities, and everything that we want in creating a private society. And I, my only answer to people when they say, well, you know, I don't care. It still looks like you're controlling or whatever. I say, fine. If you don't like me doing how I've set it up within all these, you know, true checks and balances, then good luck with the um, corporation called the crown corporation and it's, you know, subdivision called the United States. If you think they can manage all of your affairs better then Hey, there's lots of ways you can um, jump right in. Okay. But those who want real freedom in an unfree world, this has been designed for a complete, comprehensive, private environment where we have the protections and immunities. And it's already been road tested. It's already been tested pretty much at the highest level of the potential of being penetrated um, and um, undermined by the system, which just to sum that up, um, Without going into the long story, even though I have not filed a tax return since 1988, my franchise did get create a tax liability in the early 2000s. The IRS has been trying to apply that for 14 years, really, um, and tried to come after me about almost two years ago uh, with a local IRS officer. And I set it up as a trust through status correction, appointed him as the trustee gave him the ability to um, to settle that liability and he still tried to come after all the Pantera bank accounts we had like at the time we reduced it at the time we had probably between 15 and 20 bank accounts that I had a signature on as a trustee and he pulled the records of every one of those accounts trying to you know I mean he was all he wanted was to go find $400,000, which they said was the liability, and pull it from anywhere. And we had a two meetings with him where we told him it was all private. You have no authority, et cetera, et cetera. He still pulled all the bank accounts. That was a year and a half ago. And we have been operating those bank accounts without any problem. So, And all we said to him was, it's a private society. doesn't belong to this franchise. You have no authority for that. And everything was set up properly and they couldn't touch it. And we've run a considerable amount of funds through those accounts without any problem. So 
it is tried and tested because I can guarantee you if the IRS could have taken money from those accounts, they would have. So that shows that I, as the overseer of Pantera, am not the owner of its assets. So it's the same for when you create your, as you have, your society, you uh, buy the land that you find, put it in a trust, does not say who the beneficiary is on the public record, and we keep most of the records private. The public has no right and no way to compel the private trust records of either a trust or a society or a corporation soul or any of that, unless they have jurisdiction, which they don't. Yeah. Well, that certainly keeps everything uh, away from those who are coming after. So um, I would like to get you to explain, like um, there's at least one member of ours that has been um, running his own, business and i do know that you've mentioned before that it is it is possible to put like a small business into the estate structure yes uh, if somebody's running like a mechanics garage or something like that and they wanted to put their business in how would they go about doing that how would that work okay um okay there's subtleties and nuances that <clears throat> that i will point out like i said earlier if um in almost all cases, he doesn't own that building that he's in uh, and has not gone through a status correction process to claim the land and has not attached any of the business uh, to the public system, then one way or the other, he is in and is attached to the public. Okay. For example, he's got a commercial lease on the building. Uh, he has a business license. Now, there's level and degree. Depending on at what level he wants to, um, you know, um, perfect his relationship to his private status. And I say he has a private status, even if he has a public persona, as in terms of a franchise. When you create the estate structure course and you create the society and the corp soul and so forth, you have a private status. It is separate from your bonded surety relationship to the public franchise. Um, so most people, the normal way is um, you create a corporation or an LLC, or you do it as a sole proprietor. Either way, it always comes back to what the public system will look at as the beneficiary, which is the what's called the Sestake Trust, which is... It gets a little technical, but <laughs> uh, let me put that on pause and, and digress a minute. The whole thing about the living beneficiary, the Sesta KV, goes back to the Sesta KV Act of 1666, which basically said we have Sesta KVs who have gone to sea, have not come back, are presumed dead. We want to pronounce them dead so that we can pass the living beneficial status to the next generation or the next living beneficiary. Uh, if, it, if that man who went to sea is not um, able to be pronounced dead, it left the estate in suspense. So they passed the act and they said after seven years, if he doesn't return, then he can be pronounced dead and he is as good as dead, even though he might be on another side of the planet and still be alive. 
for all intents and purposes within the realm, let's say it's England, uh, he is dead. Okay. And there's even modern cases of things like that where somebody disappears. Um, there was a case that was in the newspapers about two, three years ago. A guy disappeared for 20 years. They pronounced him dead. Every jurisdiction has a presumption of death statute, okay, which everything that we deal with uh, is based on worldwide. And when I say deal with, meaning we want to, you know, separate from that presumption of death. So he came back and said, hey, I'm Joe, Joe Smith, and, and uh, I want to come back into my life. And he went to court, and basically the judge says, I'm sorry, you're dead to me. I don't see you. You don't exist. You've been pronounced dead. Um, <clears throat> so that's the SSKV Act, the presumption of death and related things. So, um, and that's how estates are held, as I described earlier. Uh, in Section 4 of the SSKV Act, it provides for what if a man returns from being lost at sea, claims his estate, proves he's the living man, and what happens then? Well, what happens then is that all profit and proceed that was created off of the estate during the time of his absence under the control of the executors must revert back to him. He must be reinvested or revested with the substance of what was created off of the estate. Okay. And um, I'm not going to go into status correction and how we work with that, but that's an underlying key point. So if by our authority that we've created as Pantera in the society and we create and we're fully recognized at this point, um, we have our private archives of records and all the rest. And, and one of our members with the standing as a private being in our society, you may be a public bonded surety out there, but in the Pantera society, you are a living woman or a living man. And so when you create uh, a society, two or more come together, create a society create the office, that corporation soul, and you occupy it, you're occupying it as a private being, okay? And so back to your mechanic. Well, the way most people would create a, um, or, you know, uh, set up the relationships of their business, they would either be a sole proprietor or a corporation or an LLC, and they would get a business license, they would get a lease for the property they'd have all kinds of other entanglements and attachments they'd have to have workmen's compensation insurance and all the things all the regulatory things that are there to chip away at what that being can build as their own personal estate or wealth that that actually means anything um, because conversely with everything that almost everybody in the public now pays from insurance to you name it by the end of the day and the end of the month, there's nothing left. And so they will end up awarded of the state through Social Security or otherwise, and they will essentially die a pauper. You know, most people are in that status now. If you look at the whole world system and the history of it, it's been brought to the point where 90-plus percent of the population lives and dies as a bankrupt and a pauper. And part of it is because we're debt servicing everything, you know. So let's say we want to remove all of that. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't done a full status correction course, and he still has to operate within quasi-relationship to the public. 
Well, then we could, or he could create an LLC to enter into the lease agreement for the building. And also, um, well, here's a bifurcation, a split in the road. Do or not get a business license. Is that required? Most likely it's going to be required by the lease agreement. Okay, that the lease, the, uh, the lease or, uh, the man, the company or whomever is issuing the lease to occupy their building is going to require you operate with a business license. So let's go down that, that road. Having a business license, you don't want to attach it to your private estate, the society or the, um, or the corporation soul. And that's the key that many people don't understand. Been a lot of people over the years that we've seen create corporation souls. It's not hard to create. You create a piece of paper. There's lots of words out there in the internet, um, but they don't know how to run it. They know how to do maintain jurisdiction, privacy, and all the rest of it. Uh, and so they've gotten a lot of people in a lot of trouble because they don't know how to maintain separation of jurisdiction. But that's what we are absolutely experts on. That's what the course is about, knowing how to do that, set it up properly and maintain it properly. So that which is in the public, keep in the public. As in this example, have an LLC that rents the building, has the lease, and um, has the business license. Now, if you have a business license, then you're buying and selling within the United States because you got that license from a corporate subdivision of the United States, the, the city of Los Angeles, county of Los Angeles, or whatever it is. And so you're in the United States when you're operating that business under license because a license is permission to do something that's illegal. What's illegal is operating in commerce. So you're being given a license to do business in commerce because you're handling the property belonging to the United States. Uh, every wrench in that mechanic shop, the, um, you know, the oil buckets and the lifts and the pencils in the office, all were bought with Federal Reserve notes. They belonged to the United States and they weren't properly separated out. So you're operating a franchise of the United States by doing that with the business license. In that regard, then, the net profit created by that LLC is going to be taxable income. So then you would create a holding trust in between so that that holding trust receives the taxable income and takes care of that taxable income with the IRS, which translates to mean you will have to pay that income. A lot of people have gone out with private trusts and corporation souls and they've gone and done commerce and they said, you can't tax me. You can't touch me because I'm private. And when they do that, they have traversed, they're operating in commerce in the United States and they're taxable, period. It's not a matter of what you are. It's a matter of where you do what you do. And if you do what the IRS considers a taxable process, doing a trade or business in the United States, it's going to be taxed. Um, but, uh, and then the beneficiary of the holding trust can be the um, the corporation soul. <laughs> you look like you're fading there, Jolly. <laughs> you need to get a cup of coffee. Um, so, um, so I'm not going to go into more and more detail. There's a lot more detail, but suffice to say, what I'm laying out here is the layered structure. 
be in the public with things that belong to the public, create a firewall that interfaces between public and private, and maintain what is private as absolutely private. Now, there's another way to go where if you have things set up, some businesses you have to be in the public, you have to lease something from the public, you have to have a business license. But in many instances, let's take, for example, somebody doing something in the healing arts, that normally they go in and get a license, get a massage uh, um, therapist license or a colon, colon therapist license or many things that people get licensed. And then they are controlled, delimited, uh, often abused and attacked because they're doing something to, that's contrary to public policy. Because public policy is part of that is to maintain the one-sixth of the whole U.S. monetary economy in the death and dying industry, okay? You are trying to fix our dying chattel property, and so you're harming the public because you are uh, potentially undermining our cash flow, our cash cow, okay? Uh, because when this person that you're trying to heal was born, somewhere in the records they chose one of our five major um, death process uh, categories that they would die at a certain time according to the large statistical base of the actuarial tables of the U.S. system with insurance and all the rest of it. And that person is supposed to die at 58 years old. And if you heal them, they may live to 89. And that's contrary to public policy. And it sounds funny, but that's literally true. Okay, so they have to attack the people. Do you have something to say? I absolutely, I mean, I'm laughing, but it, it, it's sadly true. Yeah. That's actually something some of these types of people might want to be doing is to be, I mean, Reikiam does offer counseling and stuff like that. And right. the system, you'd have to have a license to do that. I mean, at the moment, we're just doing like privately, but within the, and that's yeah. something maybe we'll go on to in, in a while is to I'm um, probably going to be more at the moment it's just Libby and myself in the, the Heart Song Spiritual Society the next thing would be how do we um, invite and then include other members into the society yeah okay well I'll lead up to that um, so as opposed to a mechanic who may uh, need to have you know a lease and a business license and all the rest of it fine, there are ways to structure it so that you do within the realm of the public what belongs in the public, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and, um, and then, but then that which remains, instead of going then into the beneficial ownership of a bonded surety uh, franchise, it will go flow into, onto the private side where it's held by the private society. Then it can be moved... Um, you know, through what we've set up in Pantera into international um, banking and uh, project development uh, pools and things like that, that will build and grow and direct your your uh, building capital in a in an area that is in alignment with who you are as a society. Okay, whether that society is Joe and Mary as a married couple who can come together and, and create a society for two. It can only be, it's fine to be just two. Um, or Pantera, which is hundreds and maybe thousands soon in your society, which will be however many, that, um, that rather than it always being held by the franchise name or corporation name, 
the layered structure is designed so it flows into the private. And then we as a collective body, and this is a really key point of how Pantera has been designed, that many people have asked us over the years, um, well, for one, and this subject come up with us as well in our conversation, uh, why do we have people donate and quote-unquote pay money for our courses and our membership? And my answer is, how can we build what we're building? How are you going to build your society? Are we going to go get government grants? Um, are we going to, you know, do the things that the system is set up to do that ultimately are control mechanisms? There's hidden control mechanisms in virtually everything. So as a private body, we have to self-generate. We have to self-create. And... Um, and the hundreds of members who have donated to Pantera have enabled us to build a very significant, strong, stable foundation that is for the benefit of the society. It's not for my benefit, although I'm a member of the society, and so it is to my benefit, but equally for everybody else. So what we've been able to accomplish in the last couple of years, which was our vision for the last 20 um, was we now have a private bank in the Bahamas. We now have a network of banks throughout the world that we've built for 20 years. We have projects that we are capitalizing and or putting capital and funds into that are synergistic. They're good for the purpose of the project. They're going to build revenue um, or cash flow. Don't like revenue, <laughs> which means revenue. <laughs> but inflow, cash flow, and accrue wealth because that's what we need to do in this world is to accrue wealth by people with uh, the intentions that we share, which is to build a different world, one that's that works for life. And so one of the mechanisms to do that is where and how you direct the overflow or the overage above and beyond running your private business or keeping your life stable, that as you build, where do we direct it? Well, if you direct it into Bank of America, we know what they're going to do with it, okay? So we want to direct it into our own private repository and start building the assets and the wealth that will enable us to build our society and build together all the other societies that are being birthed out of Pantera. Um, so whether somebody has to license up, say the mechanic, or somebody is in the healing arts, which really does not require a license. And if you have a license that you got before, you rescind it and you terminate it. Then you go private. You create a society and a ministry or a private contract association based on mutual benefit. It's as simple as that. <clears throat> That's a significant word or a phrase. I'm not in commerce. I'm not selling you something um, with an invoice and a commercial um, accoutrements attached to it. Uh, I'm simply exchanging value in mutual benefit. Okay. Now, that value exchange might be Federal Reserve notes that I'm willing to take, worthless, worthless pieces of paper that I can still go buy bread and milk with, at least right now. Um, but it's still a private contract of mutual exchange. 
And so the basis of a society is mutual benefit, private contract association. And so if I'm a masseur and you want to come to my service, how do you enter my society? Just sign this contract. What does it say? It can be as simple as, hi, this is the Ken's Massage uh, Society. Uh, The peanut gallery is reacting to that. Okay, so, um, and uh, she doesn't think I get good massages, so what can I say? Okay, so, um, and um, so, article of association, clause one, you're a member of Ken's Massage Society. Article two, uh, whatever it is, you're just very simple. And uh, and this is an agreement of private contract and private association signed there. And it'll say, like in the Pantera contracts, because we're dealing with the area of law and, and sovereignty and all those things, it's quite extensive. It's written for our mutual protection. Basically says, I'm not practicing law. I'm not giving you legal advice or accounting advice or tax advice, all those kind of things. So it's a variation on the theme. Whatever your private service is, you just make sure that it's private and in no way is construable to be a public licensed commercial venture. And then it's mutual benefit and an agreed exchange. That's it. Right, agreed exchange. That's that's sort of the beauty of it, right? That's the sort of thing we're talking about doing and you know, creating all sorts of stuff that people in our group are going to be able to make like furniture and, and do pottery and, you know, art and, <coughs> and, you know, various types of things. And it's just a, an exchange. of. Uh, right. So that's really the sort of lives we are choosing to, to go for is the simple life, living, growing as much as we can on the land, being creative, whatever we create. If somebody else can use it, we'll exchange it either for pieces of paper or other piece of creation mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's sort of the, the way we're looking so so when uh you join let's say for example the heart song spiritual society we maybe give them an invitation and we create a contract saying um welcome to the society the agreement is that within you'll do that and we do this and you do that i mean is it something as simple as that we could just make it up for ourselves yeah, yeah. you make you make it up um yeah. the template is look how pantera is created Okay, we have we have the Gemstone University site uh, where somebody enters electronically, and the terms of membership are established there. You know, it says just like any other, like you sign on for um, for Apple Pay. You know, it's a it's a commercial service on your Apple iPhone, and you want to have the ability to pay. Okay, it will always have terms terms of service or terms and conditions. And you have to click, I agree, to be able to enter into the, the use of that, that uh, function or that service. <clears throat> Same thing. When you join Pantera through the Gemstone site, it gives you the few basic things to fill in, the data and things like that. And then it says terms, terms of service or term, terms and conditions. When you, and it won't let you go further unless you click on that. And say you've read it, and that gives you a place to go read it. Well, where you go to read it are our articles of um, association. 
which includes things like a, an area discussing self-responsibility, that that's one of the primary points of our society is self-responsibility. Whatever baggage you have brought here, we will work together with you to help clean it up because that's what we do, get you disconnected from the baggage. Some of it's easy, some of it's harder. Um, but that's part of what we're doing together is helping our, each other disconnect from the baggage of the public system. That could be debts, taxes, all those kind of things. And then, of course, we're moving forward in how to cleanse or disconnect from that, move into our private life, living status, and all the rest of that. <clears throat> Paramount to that is self-responsibility. You're not here to blame us for your problems. You're not here to blame us if you try to apply what we're teaching and it doesn't work. We know it works. We've done it many, many times. In almost every case, there's a reason why it may not work. Almost always because of a, you know, some issue that you either didn't attend to properly or you didn't know how to and you didn't, you know, whatever it is. Okay. So self-responsibility is a major part of the terms of membership of, of Pantera. So whatever it is, you write it out. You can do it on a very simple website um, function. So let's say the, the masseuse or masseur, um, you want to uh, come get that service, uh, whether it's me or Joe or Bob, they set up a, a simple website. Or somebody call, hey, hey, Bob, I want a massage. Fine, go to my website enter in electronically, click where it says to click, agree where it says to agree, read the terms so you understand the terms of our relationship. And once you've done that, you'll get a printout that says, I've joined. Now you're in my private society, come on over and we'll do a mutual exchange, value exchange, and you'll get a massage and you'll give me a chicken. Okay. And we'll be happy. <laughs> um, and, um, for Pantera, part of that refers to the PanteraPCA.org site, which is our public notice site. On there, we have our foundational documents. We have our process of how we notified the world system of our existence, gave them the opportunity to rebut or um, deny our right to do that, which was never done. So that's our perfected record. We describe how we are set up. We describe we have a board of trustees for certain purposes, a privy council, which is the governing body of the society, how that's set up, things like that. Um, so you can do the same thing. If you choose to do it electronically, it can be done that way. If you want it in written form, you do it that way. So whatever your law form is, your rules of association, you put in articles of association. Right. Right, sounds good. I think Ricky has a question for you. Just for clarification, the like, for example, the terms of acceptance um, of the, of exchange, right, with the private society. So you just instructed that prospective customer to come and, you know, um, go online and, and and read the terms and agree to that. And now they're part of the private society. Uh, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean membership to the society. It just means that you've accepted <clears throat> interacting with the society based on those those pre-existing terms. Is that what I'm hearing? Or they're not becoming a part of your private society, right? They're still public. No, no they, they are. Oh, they, they are? are. Becoming, yeah, because 
you want them to be a member so that they are within the jurisdiction of your society and the rules that you have set as articles of association are binding because that's jurisdiction, which is an oath of, um, you know, relationship. Uh, you want jurisdiction in that respect, not to control, not to, you know, any of those things that we're uh, uh, moving away from, but for protection, it's mutual protection. Does, okay. that leave, does that leave that individual now a beneficial interest, has a beneficial interest in the society? Possibly, but that, that can be, you know, that's up to the, the nature of how you construct it. You, you can have a, um, and also remember that this is organic too. I mean, we've been building Pantera for 15 years. A lot of these questions and details, we haven't, compl- we, we have them, uh, in a lot of ways, unwritten. We understand how we're doing this, but it takes a huge amount of time and work to, to perfect all of those things. And they're also by experience, you know. So how do you know what you don't know until you know that you don't know it and then you figure it out and you create a some sort of um, rule? And I know people don't like rules, but sorry, there are rules. <laughs> you know, your operating body of uh, of um, your law form. You don't know until something comes up. We're constantly identifying things that come up based on interactions, things that happen, and then we refine it. But we're not creating this huge body of codes and statutes and, you know, that you have to do, uh, you have to walk three steps forward and two to the left and five to the right before you can come, you know, all that stupid stuff. Um, Just simple, logical, common sense things. And if there is a law, quote unquote, within your society that seems to be unjust and you have members who have an issue with it, they create a court of record and they uh, deal with it as a jury of peers, as a common body. And so back to your question Somebody comes to you as a customer. You don't want customers. That's commercial. You convert them to a private member. And you can create levels of membership. You know, a provisional member or a daily member. Somebody comes for a massage, they're a member for a day. You know, they get a massage, they're now a non-member. You know, they come back next week, they get another massage, they're, they're a member. They go back they're an, and leave, they're a non-member. They come back the third week and they say, I noticed that your exchange for me is 80 Federal Reserve notes for my massage, but that guy's getting them for 60. Why is that? Well, you can go from a daily member to an annual member, <laughs> you know, and create this donation and you get 25% off your massages, you know, things like that. Now, the other thing it kind of indicated, um, which leads to a whole nother level of where we're going with this, is, um, you know, you're going to create things within your society, grow food, build furniture, do art, things like that. That's going to create value. Okay. How do you monetize that value? Okay. Do we want to monetize it as debt? Obviously not. Do we want to create a medium of exchange within our private society? Yes, want to do that. You can create your heart song units of value, okay, that, um, uh, and you figure out how you want to do that. 
um, and how exchange happens within the society so that you have less dependence on having to go out when there still exists Federal Reserve notes and so forth. You create value and you create a unit of measure, which is your uh, unit of value, your sovereign unit or whatever you call it, that's exchangeable within your private society. Now, what if there's a private society across the road and they're doing the same thing? Well, then you come together within a mutually beneficial contract saying that, We'll accept your units of value if you accept our units of value. Okay, well, let's look at how you're monetizing your units of value. You look at it, you decide that, that that's acceptable, and now you'll do exchange one for one. Okay, um, and that could be repeated ad infinitum. Okay, and or you create a domestic, for lack of a better term, a domestic or a private society unit of value and a inter-society unit of value that's exchangeable, okay? We're actually moving very rapidly to doing that within Pantera in a way that we will have our own currency that all of our societies can use and, and work with that will be seamlessly fungible. Do you know what fungible means? <laughs> means exchangeable for something of like value, uh, so if I have dollars and I go to Mexico, I want pesos, those Federal Reserve note dollars are fungible because I can exchange them at an agreed rate that exists out there uh, for pesos. You know, Bitcoin exchange for one coin or Bitcoin for, you know, other cryptocurrencies, that means they're fungible. Or Bitcoin for Federal Reserve notes, it's fungible. So... Progressively, we are going to be birthing a lot of societies. It is a decentralized system. It is not hierarchical. It's not under master control of Ken, the dictator. Um, and But we're going to create an environment of interchange and exchange that will build and, and become more and more sophisticated. I'm not going to go into all the detail because that's a big topic. Um, but what we want to do is start monetizing in private fungible currency uh, mediums of exchange so that, you know, you don't have to bring a chicken every time you want me to give you a massage. (laughs) You can give me a, you know, a Pantera unit. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that we could all agree. And I've actually come across them. And if you have um, a a known, they call themselves like freedom cells, like a cell, like we would be a freedom cell. We're sitting in our little area in North Carolina or North Carolina and there's somebody else that's sitting in, a, in another, like maybe five, 10, 15 miles away. We could ultimately create a network whereby we would be doing exchange with all sorts of people in their own little societies or what they were, they're calling freedom cells. That's the sort of thing I see that ultimately if enough of us have got our little groups that we're producing materials, foods and whatever, that we could exchange them either with just one for another or for like you were talking about the, the you know, um, units of exchange. And ultimately that would be the way to, to step over the system of having to go into it as much and having to use FRNs as much. Right. Ultimately, living in the countryside where we can, like these guys are very creative, they're going to be able to build buildings and like, you know, smaller tiny houses and stuff like that. And then we're going to be able to make pottery and tiles and things. And then Libby's going to be crocheting. And, you know, 
between us. We can, oh. can I get a sweater for Christmas? Well, there you go. She's the country queen. <laughs> or a jumper, as they say, on your side of the water. But see, this gets back to the value of coming together in a larger um, structure, such as what Pantera is. Um, you know, and you have to understand, I, I think you do, <laughs> that we have thought this through and brainstormed it for decades, okay? Looking at all, taking all the best, what we started in the conversation, the building blocks, the best of the world system that is um, able to be rearranged and structured in a way that is beneficial for our mutual benefit and, and leave the rest behind. Um, but the whole is greater than the um, some of the parts. So there's two phrases that I learned um, and actually I think I created them in my own thinking a long time ago. That's very important to understand. One's called barrier to entry and the other is called economy of scale. So what does that mean? Barrier to entry means that the world system has been created as a pyramid hierarchy where all the Looks like he dropped off there. It does. Oh, economies of scale and barrier to entry. No, he's back? Well, no, oh. I'm just saying I'm sure he will be back. Okay. Yeah, probably won't take a moment. That was very interesting what we're getting into there. Meanwhile, um, I want to say to anyone that has a question, who you make yourself known um, in the chat room. And I think we've only got two on phones. And uh, a little later when we get Ken back on, if I... The phones want to jump in, just like open your mic and maybe make a little a little sort of noise like hello, because that brings up your icon on our screen and that makes us aware that you might want to have and, um, hello. Battery went out, he'll be right with you. Awesome, thanks Andrea. That's brilliant. Yeah, cool. We figured something won't die, so that's cool. So yeah, um anyone that's um in the chat room Please just make yourselves known there that you're going to want to ask a question. And then, like I said, you guys on the phones, uh, when we get to the point that we can, there's Ken. So when we get to the point, Ken, that we're going to get our... Can you hear me? Yes. I did unmute. Yep. We can hear you. We can hear you as long as you can hear us. Well, the corner was hanging up. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Can, we can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't yes. know why. But we can hear you. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's me. Can you hear okay. me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Can you hear us? Um, okay. Hang on. I got to... Turn some music off of here. Thanks, Andrea. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, barriers to entry, economies of scale. Okay. Okay. So, let's. Let's call first define barrier to entry. Okay. A barrier to entry means that there's 
a barrier to your entry. You cannot enter into a, a realm. Um, you may want to, but there's a barrier. So uh, I was describing the, the pyramid hierarchical structure of the world system. It is designed, as we all know, to put all the liability on the mass and funnel up all the equity and value to the pinnacle or the top uh, of the pyramid, the elite. Okay. Uh, with that, with that large, the control of money, control of politics, control of the world system, um, they have operated with impunity on the world scale. And we see the result of that, right? I think we can all agree on that. Um, they also have huge benefits. Okay. Um, they can create world systems. They can create world banking systems that they control. They can create many, many things because of the scale that they operate on and the um, use of resources, usually financial to begin with, that we don't have. So that's a barrier to entry. Well, Pantera already has erased many barriers of entry. For example, if you want to operate in a global way uh, to do business um, in Hong Kong or Vanuatu or Australia or, or Panama, um, most people don't know how to do that. It would take many people years to figure out how to do that. There's a certain barrier to the entry to the international um, uh, platform. That's what we've done for, you know, four decades, really. So our members have immediate access to that. They don't have to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars to figure it out. A lot of that cost is by doing mistakes. You know, I can definitely tell you that we've made lots of mistakes and we've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in doing that, but we learn from it. And then we refined our structure so that now any member of Pantera doesn't have to do any of those mistakes. And the barrier to entry to have a immediate global presence has been erased. Okay. We don't have everything that the, the top of the pyramid has as yet, but we're building towards that. You know, we're starting to have our own in-house uh, bank and network of banks and the ability to use those tools in the banking world to create capital to fund projects. Most people don't know how to do that. It would take you 20 years or longer if you were able even to do it to figure that out. But we have figured that out. It's there. So you as a small society do not have a barrier to, the, to entry to that realm if there's a need and a function that would benefit your society. Okay. So that's one aspect. The other is economy of scale. It's the flip side of the same coin because economy of scale means that, again, you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to put in place something on the scale that is actually above your current scale. In other words, you can have immediate quantum expansion to a scale if that benefits you. Okay, um, And uh, so the economy is that as a mutual benefit society, we've come together and we're pooling our resources. So as we're building our private bank and building our capitalized projects and, and all the things that are happening now within Pantera, 
that both erases barrier of entry and produces a, an economy of scale. It gives you the largest scale that you couldn't have on your own. Okay, that's the benefit here. One of those components is going to be the ability to have a completely comprehensive private monetary system that is both private within our society, but fungible interactively with the rest of the world system. Okay, whether that's other societies, other cryptocurrencies, and or the current fiat system. Because the, the, the barrier to entry for most small-scale um, societies uh, that create their own private currency, like there's a lot of communities that have their own currency. It was started, one of the pioneers was the city of Ithaca in New York. They created the Ithaca dollar like 30 years ago. And many communities have followed with that. But can you take an Ithaca dollar and go down to uh, Tucson, Arizona and buy a Mexican dinner? <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, can the Tucson dollar go to Ithaca and buy whatever they're selling up there? New York uh, moss. <laughs> so I think it's wet up there. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay. How do we bring it together so there's a seamless fungibility and an interchange? Well, for one, there has to be an architecture to maintain that, you know, a, a physical architecture, a software data management architecture, a communication system, things like that, and a seamless interface between multiple currencies and or a common currency that in turn is fungible with other currencies like Bitcoin or FRNs or whatever. Uh, again, I'm not going to go into detail. It's a lot of detail, but we have a lot of things well in advanced stages for being able to do that. Next year, it's going to start really coming into form and manifestation. Um, and by doing this, we have the ability to truly be local and at the same time live, uh, I mean, be global and live local. You know, you guys are interested in creating a local, a, a uh, <clears throat> land-based society. Probably most of you don't necessarily want to travel around the world, but you want to be a global being and have interactive capability with other local societies around the world. Well, this is what we're building together as the Pantera Global Society. Yeah, yeah that's, that brings the whole thing together. That's this... <laughs> This AI that's actually very beneficial to us that we all know each other because of this so we can interact on a global scale through this type of, type of medium and you being able to share with us right here right now is because of this stability that uh, we can this can be global and those of us that are going down the same route seeing the same visions we can support and encourage each other and do all sorts of stuff interactively Global, like you're saying, and thanks to you, created what you've done already, and we're just kind of like coming in as a yeah, we're coming in as a just as a small part, um, but we're, we're the, the small parts become very strong when we all unite together. So that's what I'm seeing as the beauty of it. So yeah, fantastic. So um, hang on, hang on one second. Yeah. I'm gonna get a throat lozenge because I'm gonna okay. start coughing, so gonna, I'll be right uh, back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead. Go right okay. ahead. I'm gonna and uh, mention to everyone that's on call here.
But Libby, of course, uh, I think and comes back with any questions you have. And um, like I've said here, anybody else would like to make themselves known that they have questions. And, uh, you know, because if we've got anything that we want to kind of bring up uh, on this topic and any other that Ken can help with, um, you know, just please, you know, make yourselves known. There is a there is some function you can put a hand up as far as I know, because I know other people have done that in the past. Um, but uh, the message box here would be uh, very helpful that we know that you are there with a question. Um, and I am keeping my eye on the message box. Great, thank, thank you. Thank you, Linda. Yeah, got your message. <laughs> so that's great. And I know um, Rikim's going to a couple of questions anyway. So, um, you want to go ahead with a couple of questions sure. when, when Ken's ready and then let me jump right in after that. See where we go. So, uh, yeah, whenever you're good, Ken, I know you're, you've done a lot of talking here at this point. So. <clears throat> yeah, I'm fine. Okay. okay. All right. So, yeah. one of the questions I had for you, um, <clears throat> And first, expressing gratitude for all that you've done and others um, thus far. Thank you for that. Um, you know, a, a lot of times, uh, those that kind of wake up to the reality of things begin to go through a process of letting go of things, right? Because they kind of first have to breathe. So they're feeling like they're moving those types of things from their lives. And, and come back to a little bit more of a simple life. Or, on the other hand, they may have their lives ripped apart by the poor. Oh, hey, hey. hey, hang on, you're breaking up. <clears throat> you're breaking up. I'm hoping they're still yeah, on. You're, yeah, your picture. Oh, yeah. Are you guys there? Uh-oh. Now their picture just went off. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Libby, it's up to you. Something else. Well, um, but I was just trying to. Okay, you're gonna have to um, repeat that. Okay, you're. Uh, and uh, you're, right here. Home. I don't okay. know if you can hear us, but you were right out now. So, could you repeat your question? Yeah, sure. Is that is that coming through better? Yeah. 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 Okay, so I was just kind of saying that a lot of people that kind of wake up, let's just use that term, they either release or, or, or let go of all the things that they feel are weighing them down. It's almost that the physical is representative of the heaviness of that kind of world they're trying to keep alive, so to speak, or the system itself rips your world apart and you discover that the system was never there for your benefit or for <clears throat> Your, you know, for your welfare in the first place. And so you begin to wake up that way. So it's kind of, you know, people come in different doors. Those are just two examples. The estate, establishing the estate, and I, you know, like many of us have looked into different avenues and channels and sitting as the executor and sitting as the settler and sitting you know, in all these different positions. My question is for those that don't have, quote unquote, any assets to move into an estate, what... I recognize that maybe the long-term benefit is that all the fruits of one's labor from that point moving forward can be passed on to, if there is a, an, a beneficiary that you would like to leave it to, um, within the structure of the society, within the structure of the private you know, estates and trusts. But 
if you don't have anything, is part of the uh, part of the uh, let's see here status correction step. Is, is I know you I know you mentioned something that I've come across on many different occasions, which is while they claimed you dead and lost at sea and then dead, um, if you come back and reclaim that you are living, the man the man is living. All proceeds that were administered and created in that estate while lost at sea have to be returned back to the beneficiary. So, is there is there a possibility that there may be uh, resources that are available that through the, the status correction process and through the estate structure, is there maybe resources that are already there for each living man and woman that for those of us that have maybe had everything ripped apart and, and taken away because we missed, you know, didn't have the right understanding and now do, is there something maybe there for those to build their future with from, from you know, becoming a member and applying what you've come to understand? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, there's several levels of your, your question in my answer. One is um, for many people who arrive, let's say, at our doorstep <laughs> with nothing and um, they, they, they fit the description of the, the line from the song, when you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> Uh, if they want to do status correction and or create an estate structure, uh, in many respects, not all respects, but in a good number of respects, it's simpler and cleaner and, and easier to start from nothing. For so anybody, regardless if you have things to bring forward, can start an estate structure and or status correction. You will then be building a pure, clear, empty vessel, so to speak, empty container that from that point forward, you're going to build assets and resources that are not attached to the public system. So in a lot of ways, it's easier. In fact, we make it very clear that we are not giving any guarantee in saying that one, yes, you'll be able to like some people come to us with foreclosure issues or uh, repo issues that somebody's chasing them, trying to take their car away. Um, we do not guarantee because there is no guarantee that, uh, that this is a magic bullet. We have kept people in houses for six to eight years without any problem. Other people have gone through steps and, and at some point because of some problem or issue or flaw in, in something in their setup that the status correction and or earlier versions of it were not able to stop a foreclosure. So there is no guarantee on that. Um, there is no absolute guarantee that what we do in status correction will enable somebody without question to stop the IRS from seizing your, um, your bank account or garnishing your wage or something like that. Um, but in most cases in the tax issue, we've been successful in dealing with that. Um, so, um, 
So the point is that when somebody comes in with nothing as you're describing it, if they want to build a new uh, adventure and it's appropriate to create an estate structure, then you can build it pure and it's not got contractual attachments to the past. Um, and so that's one aspect of it. Uh, so is it, is it an issue if they don't have anything? Absolutely not. Uh, on the other hand, if the, um, 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 what was your, <laughs> there's another part of the question. So, uh, so yeah, the other part I guess was, you know, you, okay. So you come into nothing. I guess the other part was kind of what has been termed like reversionary interest. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. So, so let's describe that and, and be clear on that. Okay. Um, in the simple equation of a man goes to see is lost and presumed dead, pronounced dead, returns, proves he's the man, claims the estate, uh, the profit and proceed, meaning the rents and the things that are generated off the estate uh, while he was absent, are what would be characterized as reversionary interest. They will revert back to him. Okay, but those are, let's say, accrued um, resources uh, that are already in the public system. Okay. And of course that was a landed estate. Okay. That was an estate that existed in the system hundreds of years ago in our current system. What happens when a baby is born and it's a living being and it gets converted to, uh, the public franchise, something is created called a decedent estate. Okay. And I started talking about earlier and I didn't quite get to that, um, where I was characterizing the difference between a SESTA which means a living beneficiary of a perpetual estate and a SESTA trust. Right. The words, the, the SESTA trust means beneficiary with limited beneficial use of the public facility of the decedent estate. Okay. It's a decedent estate because in, in the legal uh, terminology, a decedent is defined as something that is dying. Okay. We are dying for as long as we're attached to the realm of the death, dead, and we're attached as the, uh, the source, the battery, like in the matrix, that's taking our living substance and our energy out of us and creating fictionalized, monetized debt and all the rest of that. Um, Everything that's created in that form in that system is in the public is is debt. Okay, it's all held as far as the United States is concerned under the rules of the Trading with the Enemy Act that created something called the Bureau of Public Debt, which is now run and controlled by the Secretary of the Treasury. And the Secretary of the Treasury means the Department of Treasury under the executive branch, which is part of the bankruptcy and the administrative reorganization of the corporate bankrupt United States, which was moved in 1944 into the United Nations as a pledge collateral uh, debtor under the IMF. Okay. So, um, so basically, uh, and of course, you know, we are the, we are the enemy as long as we're attached to a U.S. person franchise and we have to be licensed to operate in commerce and all of that. Everything that's created post 1933 as monetized debt within that bankruptcy system is held by the Bureau of Public Debt and all only debt operates in the public. 
Okay, there is no substance of value. All of that is on the private. Every time commercial paper is created in the name of a franchise, it is debt. So whether that's a birth certificate, a certificate of uh, vaccination, or a social security number and account, or a traffic ticket, or a court case, or a tax bill, it's all public monetized debt. It cannot be anything else. Okay, but it always creates a corresponding mirroring of credit or value on the private side of the ledger, which is equity. Okay, as long as we're a bankrupt attached to that bankrupt franchise, we have no claim or access to the equity. Once we change our status, we can claim it. But because we are under military occupation and under the rules of the military occupation, we cannot demand them to give it to us or convert it to fungible currency. Because to do that would create more debt on the public side. There has to be, in effect, an instant liquidation of the debt and a zeroing out of the account every time something's created public and private. Now, what that means is the concept people have of when I claim my estate and I correct my status and et cetera, et cetera, along the lines of what you're saying, will I get access to all of that value? And the answer is no, it, it can't. You can't move it from the pri private side of the ledger to the public. It doesn't correspond. So you can't get a public account um, that, that will provide what you're asking. Ultimately, what the usufruct, which is a military occupier, the usufructory trustee who's holding all that property that ultimately belongs to the, the living beneficiary, the SESTA KVs, we as the beneficiaries, they are required under their international treaty, under the duties of usufruct, to pay for everything. Okay, So we may not get, quote unquote, what people call money or money of account in the bank account, but what they're required to do is pay for all taxes, du duties, um, uh, repairs, maintenance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we've been building for four years in the status correction course. Right. We're not, we're not there at the finish line yet, but we are structuring everything under the understanding of how that works to create all the public officers as trustees and to bind them to their fiduciary and usufructory duty to meet their international treaty requirements to, under duties of usufruct. Additionally, we're not giving them the estate. We're putting it in trust. We're fulfilling the Trading with the Enemy Act requirements that can be found at 12 USC 95A and A2 and so forth, which talks about how to operate within the context of the, the system. Okay. And, um, but see, if you were to go to a court and have the court do what they should do, if you do it correctly, and see you on the private side of the court in a court of chancery to act as a chancellor and to serve you as equity, then they're supposed to create a public trustee, which could be a clerk of the court or whatever, to do all of that settlement. Right. So that, so that you do not have to handle public funds. That's right. That, that's, yeah, that's what I was kind of asking about. That's what I've been kind of told that there's a, you don't ever go back into the public and accrue or create more public debt. You're actually right. discharging right. debt on the private side by right. then being responsible and liable as trustee in administrating that estate 
to offset any liabilities, taxes, right. <clears throat> yeah. because yeah. ultimately the reason we're paying any of that is because we're, we're again, we're, we're paying excise tax, use tax. None of these, right. once something's paid for once, there's no need to resell it over and over and over and over and over again, or quote unquote tax, tax, tax it over and over and over again. That, that's just our use tax because we're operating. Um, you just cut off again. Oh. <laughs> Is it back? He's frozen something for real. Yeah. Oh. Your connection. Yeah, it does that a long time. We're going to give it a minute. We're losing these people. Yeah. Are they doing what they're required to do? No. Not quite yet. <laughs> um, we are getting there. And and that's part of the collective throwing a body of evidence and record, which is all we want. And basically, once we, we claim the estate, we create the private trust, put it under special deposit, give it all back to them, which fulfills the Trading with the Enemy Act, right. of 95A2, um, then what we have set up is a life estate, okay, where they are required to fulfill anything and everything under safe harbor, safe passage, and hospitality. And in fact, somebody just asked me that question a few weeks ago, and I wrote up, you know, I've been using that phrase for two years, um, and I knew inherently or intrinsically what it meant. Somebody asked me, well, what does it mean specifically? Why? So I went and created a two-page paper, and I looked at the definition, safe harbor, safe passage, and hospitality, which translates to what we're talking about. Right. Safe passage means that I can pass through your valley of death and fear no <laughs> taxation, <laughs> evil in the form of taxation. I can pass safely through the public thoroughfares as a private man sojourning, sojourning away from my private estate. Okay. Right. And that's what we want. So we're not at war with the United States. We're at peace with the United States. And all we want is the reciprocation of what they've already bound themselves to by all their codes and statutes and international treaties. So that's safe passage, the right to travel. Uh, safe harbor simply means safety from danger. You know, you're on the high seas. What do you want? You want safe harbor. So when you're moving through the high seas of instability, of commercial danger, which is what the public exists in with all the stress and the debilitation that that brings, I want to move in safe harbor wherever I am moving. Okay, I'm not in their world and I'm not of it, but I can move through it safely. And their hospitality is unlimited. It is required to maintain my life estate. And once we have that, and then we're building our private societies and we're building a global infrastructure for that and monetizing the value we create, which we don't go into the public to use their public script or their private script as military Federal Reserve notes, et cetera, et cetera, that what we create in value doesn't belong to them anymore. It belongs to our society and ourselves as living beneficiaries, and we build that together. And that becomes a receptacle to transfer the locked-in energy that they've been feeding off of and move it into a living um, living structure. Gotcha. gotcha. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Should we get Bruce to tell us, ask his question? Bruce, did you want to? Yeah. Okay. Do we? Bruce, come on. <laughs> There's Bruce. Hello. Um, Hi. 
Well, uh, in the last week, for the first time in a few years, uh, the pirates at the Internal Revenue Collection Agency have decided to uh, uh, reinstitute uh, enforcement activity. And uh, so they've notified me that they're going to, even though they already have a notice of lien at the county recorder, illegally filed, but probably can would uh, have another perspective on that. Um, even though they have that notice of lien, they say they're going to uh, institute a new notice of lien and, and levy what they can get their hands on. And uh, I'm not sure what that is. I don't think there's anything in the bank they can get, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what kind. The sheriff in Santa Cruz County says that he's really pleased as punch to work with the federal uh, brigands. Uh, in any case, uh, we're looking forward with uh, great eagerness to starting in on the status correction process in the very near future. And I'm just wondering, how far do we need to get into status correction before I can begin to uh, wade through the murky swamp of this relationship I seem to have with these guys? Hmm. Um, you have to get this far. <laughs> Not this far, but this far. Oh, no. <laughs> but not this far, just only this far. Um, what that translates to is, um, you know, we strongly emphasize the importance of, am I still on? Yes. Um, uh, building the proper foundation, not putting the cart before the horse, not being... Uh, basically controlled or dictated by the external force of a something like along the lines of what you're dealing with. Um, meaning take the time to do it correctly, build the proper foundation and, and get yourself in the right place with the right knowledge and integration, obviously not mastery and perfection that really takes years, but really understanding what you're doing. Fortunately, with the IRS, 99%, maybe 100% of what needs to be done is administrative, meaning by documents and by mail, where you don't have to face or interact with them uh, person to person, being to being, or being to person, um, or go to court. Um, and of course, at the level that you're talking about, it's not likely that you would necessarily go to court, um, you know. Um, but, uh, so the, the nut, nuts and bolts answer to your question is how long does that take? It's different for everybody, but it's minimally six months. Okay. So if you start in the very near future, like as in tomorrow, <laughs> you know, you got to figure six months, but in almost every case, there are ways to defer and deflect things down uh, down the road, kick the can down the road so that that six months is not a problem. Get things founded, get, get everything in place uh, by that time by kicking the can down the road. In the case of the IRS, first of all, protect what you uh, don't want them to take. Don't have things in the franchise name, period. You got money in an account, take it out. You know, once you start the, the, um, says correction course, you have to close franchise accounts anyways. Um, so 
you know, just take the normal precaution, not because you're avoiding or um, uh, avoiding taxes or, um, um, you know, doing anything um, that's illegal. You're simply rearranging your affairs for the optimization of your best interests, period. Because we, uh, as with everything, we don't go into controversy. We don't say they are trying to impose an illegal tax. We say, fine, it's a valid tax. Because based on what I've been operating as a franchise, it is a valid tax. Regardless of any of the things that all the tax people have researched this for 40, 50 years, said that, you know, it's illegal, it's unconstitutional, it's this, it's that, the other, they, you know, they have an individual master file that says I'm selling bullets to Angola, doesn't matter. The franchise is doing what they say. The franchise is somehow connected to that um, Title 27 taxable excise tax activity, selling bullets or, you know, selling drugs, whatever. And they do, and you use the right phrase. You said the collector. The Internal Revenue Service is a collection agent for the Internal Revenue, which is a lawful du jour entity in Puerto Rico that creates excise tax. So they put the franchise there in order to create the excise tax, and then they send it over to the public system and have the legal debt collector collect it. Okay. So we don't go into controversy. We don't push back and say it's illegal. We say, fine, we agree with you. We acknowledge and accept it. But when we have corrected our status, we have the ability to accept it as a deed that created a monetized debt on the public side. And when we accept it as a deed, equity now comes into our benefit. Because there's a maximum of equity that says that equity will not uh, perfect an imperfect gift. It's a gift. Let's treat it as a gift. Do you send the gift back to the giver? No, you accept it. So look at what they created as a gift. Every debt created on the public side, once you're correct, your status is corrected as a gift. You accept it by acknowledgement, acceptance as grantee, which means you now hold the equity because you have the standing to be the beneficiary, the living beneficiary, and you put it in a specific place for special deposit, which means it belongs to that trust and nothing else. And now you appoint the IRS officer as, as a trustee because he has legal title now and he's responsible for the liability. Now he is the taxpayer. That's what we do. So we are not in any way resisting or going into controversy because the minute you go into controversy, even with languaging, you know, you call them brigands. Brigand is a pirate, okay? But they're legal pirates. They're doing it legally because every attorney is carrying a bar card, which is a letter of mark and reprisal, which gives them legal authority to board the vessel of an enemy combatant, which you are as long as you're operating through their franchise as an enemy of the state. So they are legal pirates, but we've agreed to their game. It's time for us to say we do not agree to your game. We're creating our own game, and we're creating our own rules based on the way we want to live, and here's my rescission and revocation and termination of all the contracts that I previously, in error and mistake and ignorance, entered into in your game. We're just stopping playing their game. 
Alrighty. Thanks a lot. <coughs> Hang on, I gotta get some water. I'll be back. Okay. Uh, I'm, and we are at our, our, our normal stopping mark, but if we can keep yep. it for a while, how are you doing there, Tyler? Yeah, no, we're good here. So, you know, as long as Ken is, um, you know, for finishing up, maybe this question will be the finish up. Let's see. Um, and uh, if anyone else has a really pertinent question, let's you know, let make yourself known. Um, we will, uh, you know, finish up. Oh, we have a question from Linda. Yeah. So let's finish that. Let, let Ken finish this up with Bruce. <clears throat> no, we're done. Oh, you're done? We're done with Bruce. Okay, lovely. So, Linda, what did you have to... Uh... Nope, sorry, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you jump on the uh, audio and you could uh, ask your question there, right there and then. That'd be easier than us doing it through. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, yes Hello, yeah. lovely ladies. How are you? <laughs> and hi, Ken. Um, I'm really impressed with everything. It's fantastic what's been going on. My question, you have a little bit of it from me before, is in relation to the fact that in our case of the marriage certificate, um, we have two of us obviously on the wrong side of the system in this regard. So how do you uh, think that it can work in my situation to, to be able to correct that here? through the status correction or through the estate first or what do you suggest is the best approach? Well, it wouldn't be through the estate structure. Remember what we talked earlier about? <clears throat> the estate structure is a way to create a means to hold property, a project and, and mm -hmm. other elements of the organization if somebody is not doing status correction. We're talking about now on a personal level, personal or family. If somebody does status correction and they're not going to build a larger project like what Libby and Jolly are doing as their land-based society, you don't need our estate structure. You would just do a status correction. And everything okay. in terms of moving things out of the franchise is, is affected by, um, by doing that. Um, so dealing with a marriage certificate, is um, you don't do you wouldn't do it in the estate structure, so you have to do status correction. Okay. Excuse me. It is, it's a variation on the same theme, whether it is an IRS bill or an IRS uh, publicly filed at the county notice of lien or intent to lien or any of those things, or a court case. They're all the same thing. They're deeds. The same thing I was just saying. It's a gift. But if we don't have the status and we're a, fran a surety to the bankrupt franchise, then we're holding the liability, and now it is a liability, um, yeah. meaning we have to pay everything that is on the public side. We're the debt servicer. We're the surety. All of the debt aspects are attached to that. <clears throat> so in the case of a marriage certificate, it's actually a corporate merger. Yes. Uh, the corporation called Joe comes together with the corporation called Sally and they create a merger to create a new entity called, you know, Joe and Sally married couple. Uh, it's in a contract with the state. It's yeah. going to create new monetized public debt in the name of the marriage 
let's say they have a, a joint um, tenancy in a mortgage in a in a house um, that they um, quote unquote buy, well, that belongs to the marriage. So then the state has the authority to do what it wants. If um, say they they want to separate, they want to divorce. It's all about matter of what the state is going to do under its rules to settle the affairs of that corporate merger. Uh, it owns the rights to the children. The, the children are wards of the state, as we are. And we, as wards of the state, um, are given guardianship, but not true authority over the children. As long as you do what the state wants, then they'll let you keep the children. If you don't, they'll take them away. Uh, if you don't allow them to be vaccinated now, which is mandatory in California and soon coming to a state near you, um, then, then you, uh, then they will take them away from you. Okay. So in equity, they're just like everything else we've talked about. There's the private side of the ledger. There's equity that's been accrued. All the underlying bonds that are attached to the marriage are traded those create profits and proceeds. They belong to the estate, but they're under the executor, which is the state, the corporate state, because you're lost at sea. When you come back from being lost at sea, you prove you're a living being in our court of our living beings and all the rest that we do. Then you go through the steps like we just talked about with Bruce. You get to where you have the starting point that you can accept the deed. And then you do the steps, including the marriage certificate, and then basically you remove the state attachment. Okay. Okay. Um, there was something else. Uh, currently, I mean, recently I had the situation where my car was towed while I was at a protest, and um, they, they charged me three hundred and over nearly over three hundred fifty dollars, and you had to, to pay to to get your car back. And uh, even though I wasn't very happy about it, of course, I had to find that and do that. And then there's, since there's a fine. Now, in this current situation, before you do status correction, is it better to just go along and do that? Or is it better? Is there a way at the moment that you can stand up to that and be well, successful? Or is it all? Well, there are a lot of ways. Um, they're all in commerce because it's an operation in commerce. Um, there's a huge amount of materials out there to to deal with that. Not necessarily some of the things like doing a secured party and acceptance for value. Yeah. Sometimes that can work. A lot of times it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of ways within the statutory arena in commerce to um, – uh, to negate or counter or off, offset or, you know, basically force them to a standstill uh, if you want to take the time and do the research to do that. Um, we have not, you know, that's a field that oh, I... Courtesy notice. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you can do, in, in commercial terms, you can do a conditional acceptance. Yes. You know, I, I accept this conditionally upon proof of claim because, see, in commerce, you always need to stay in honor. And if you go into dishonor by rejecting it or being silent, then they win. That's where they get perfected title to that trust because it's a trust. Um, and so you have to um, stay in honor. And the ideal way to stay in honor is return it to them 
on a can or you don't return the instrument you hold on to it but you return a response which is conditional acceptance on proof of claim prove to me that i'm in contract with you that there's a valid contract that i've agreed to this and and things like that um and um oftentimes you can win just doing that yeah because basically because they're based basically operating in fraud anyway and is that the, the basic way that, that that ends up being well, but you see, um, see that's where you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, and we don't say they're in fraud. No, because, and yes, we understand in the ultimate sense it is it's very fraudulent. Um, but you have to put yourself. We talked about this last time. Yes, you have yes. to put yourself in their program. They have a program. They operate on a program. It's a it's a uh, you know a holographic insert from. Um, a source that we don't need to get into now that's programmed the world system. And you have many, many millions and billions of people who have agreed to play in that game. Like I just said, we are moving ourselves out of that game. Um, But within the game, the technical structure is commit fraud. But the way they've structured it with full disclosure in plain sight, one of the options I have is to go to the ombudsman because I do feel there's been so many people caught by these particular <coughs> traffic signs because of the placement of them mm-hmm. uh, that they, they're, they're making a lot of money out of it <laughs> sure. daily. Yeah. But yeah, so that's one option I can do at the moment anyway. But thank you for that. Excellent. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Nice no problem. You. You're lovely to hear you too. Thank you. Yeah. So do you have any final words of wisdom for us, Ken? Because we're going to wrap it up now, but you've certainly given us many. Yeah. No, I think we've really covered a vast array of subject, and um, I think we're probably a good good stopping point, unless somebody has a last-minute burning question. (laughs) Yeah, we don't seem to have any more burning questions. Well, there's one about perhaps some kind of online seminar with us that we might be able to contribute FRNs for? Um, no, that's really all within the context of becoming a member. Okay. There's a continuum of new materials, new things, seminars, um, videos, things that I um, uh, create and, and more and more other members are creating. So that's really where we focus everything. Yeah, this is a particular member that had a question in here. And I thought it was to open to everyone, but it was just to me. So, um, Okay, very good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. All right, then. Well, thanks very much, Ken. We, as always, appreciate you so much. And you've really filled us with lots of information again today. And certainly this will be a good one to listen back through to uh, clarify all that information that you've shared. So absolutely, 100, 100 thank yous. And... Uh, we look forward to uh, the next uh, connection. Very good. Well, as the emoticon in uh, Skype looks like, here's two thumbs up. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. I look forward to coming to your 
Heart Song Society land. Oh, and, uh, yeah, we're so excited about it. We, you would be a very early guest once we got the place cleaned up and sorted out. Yeah, that okay. was So yeah, absolutely. That would be fantastic. I look forward to that. Yeah, lots of good stuff ahead. Really. Okay, very good. Thank all right, well, everybody have a good night. Thank you very much. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Thank you. And, uh, meanwhile, I'm going to play us a little uh, song as we go out, if I can make my uh, computer do the things I'd like it to do. So uh, that will be um, really good. So, yeah, again, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are so grateful to everyone that joins us every, every week. And... Uh, we will be back at the usual thing, same time to place next week, just with the usual stories from the heart. I think we've got quite a lot of family members out there with stories to tell us. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> we'll be, we will be back, uh, as always, to support and encourage each other, share our stories, and have lots of fun. So uh, cheerio for now, everybody, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Diva. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you.